During the summer of Jeep event, well-qualified Washington, D.C. lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe for $289 a month for 24 months with $5,699 to its signing. Tax title, license extra, no security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution and lease through Stellantis Financial. Extra charge for miles over 20000 Includes 7500 EV cap cost reduction. Not all customers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 95. Jeep is a registered trademark to win the 2024 general election. So the character dimension here, I was just making the inference, um, you are not submissive. Um, probably you are not lawyer and you are not blind to the government. Uh, so this is what I was trying to make the inferences. Uh, so that by this, it was being said that by the strength of your personality and to prevent the new patriotic party from breaking the eight. What, do, what is your response to some of these matters? Honorable Chair, that is somebody's opinion about me and I can't question somebody's opinion. It is the opinion that has brought us here. Unfortunately, it is the opinion. It is somebody's semi-sin that you can determine the electoral fortunes of others, which is a subject matter of this inquiry. Are you aware of that? Honorable Chair, I am aware of that, and as you heard me earlier speak, I did mention the fact that, in an answer to a question of yours, that all the stakeholders play their roles. The police that I had and work in concert with the team at the national and across the country also play our role. So at the end of the day, it will not take an individual to make that determination. It takes the people of the country to make a determination as who becomes a leader. And like also did indicate, somebody might the opinions are all over the place. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll continue to do my work, work in concert with my commanders across the country, and do our job how it should be done, be it elections or any other matter. So that is what I have to say in regards to the two connected issues you've spoken to. Thank you. So, by your reckoning, what is it about you that people pass a vote of confidence like this? That if we are there, MPP cannot break the eight. And if we are not there, then it becomes um, an opportunity to break the eight. What is informing um, this vote of confidence in you, and what is significant is that there's a lot of intelligence you have that I don't know. Honorable Chair, I still made a point that that is somebody's opinion. And what is about me is doing a professional police job. And there's nothing more than that. I'm very grateful to you.
Now, I yield space to the other members to ask questions and um, we note what the IGP will say. So, the vice was, I thought you had a residual power when you finished. Okay. Yes. Yes. Let me. These are privileges. Yes. Okay. So these are privileges reserved for leadership. Yes. So, do you want to deny the fact that leadership is entitled to certain privileges that you are not entitled to enjoy? So let, 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 let me take the floor. Inspector General of Police, you, you've heard this contradiction. Leadership have privileges. You heard that? And, and, and he's saying that uh, um, he wants to call for a division. He said that. You see how people can contradict themselves. Okay, so Vice, Vice is going to probably... Um, 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 sort of uh, do a follow-up to some of the issues I raised, but you have his turn. So, Vice, do you have a lot of questions on the follow-ups before you have your turn? Oh, there are not too many questions. Okay, then. Yes. Uh, but just to place on record that um, uh, this statement mm. that the honorable were read, mm. which culminated in the institution of these proceedings, simply um, recalled, you know, what he had heard from the leaked audio. Mm. And so they are no words, the words contained in this statement are not words that Anabob were generated, or they are not a segment of his imagination. They flow directly from the leaked audio. So they talk about breaking the aid, etc., etc., are not his words. Well, just to place that on record. But, Mr. Uh, General of Police, if, he, if you go through the record of proceedings that this committee furnished you with, you find that. There is um, some accusation which has been labeled against you, which is to the effect that you orchestrated the recording of the leaked audio as IGP, I want you to speak directly to this particular accusation. Did you play any role in respect of the recording of the leaked audio? Honorable Chair, like the chairman asked initially, I did not play any role in it. Now, IGP, you 
also read through the proceedings and you would find that in it, you may want to respond to this in the open, I don't know how you, it sits with you, but you were also accused of being the worst IGP this country has ever had. How did you receive the accusation and what is your reaction? Thank you very much. Honorable Chair, I think probably my brother wanted to say I'm the best and he missed it. <laughs> because the records are there for everybody to see. The beauty of mankind is that everybody has an opinion and he can express it in any form or shape but that has not changed the facts. And this is the point, Honorable Chair. Since my colleagues and I, and the rest of the commands across the country, had opportunity by the grace of God and the honor done me by His Excellency the President, Nana Adudanko Ekufuado, we committed ourselves to transforming the organization to become the best institution in the country and a reference point for Africa and beyond in a teamwork fashion based on Genesis 1, 26. So even granted that I'm the West, then all of us collectively are the West, including probably my brother who was serving in that capacity as member of the team that I led, I lead. I lead. So I think it was a slip of tongue on his part. But let me speak to the issue. This is what it is. We, the current administration, want to be the best in terms of all those who have come before us. And we have a good reason for that. And we are there getting on to becoming the best in the history of the country. And I'll explain. The reason why we want to be the best and we are getting to be the best as a police administration under my leadership is that when most of our forebearers were there, we were. We saw what they did right and the challenges they faced. So being a graduate of management and leadership and a continuous student of sociology, psychology and philosophy, it is just clear that when you saw your forebearers doing what they were doing and you saw what they were doing right and you saw the challenges they were facing and you have this background and you have the opportunity, you surely should perform better than them. And it's simple. You do what they were doing right, you learn from their mistake and make them better. So if you add them to what they were doing right, there's no way you cannot be better than them. And this is what we are doing. And at the point, maybe I will share with you so many interventions we have put across the country and working in concert with all the other security agencies that has brought us to this level of peace, security, law and order across the country in an unprecedented way.
But the next point, Honorable Chair, is the fact that we don't want to be the best in the whole life of the police service, but rather we want those who come after us to be better than us. Because by the same yardstick, they are watching us in terms of what we are doing, those that we are getting right, and the challenges that we are facing, so that they be able, they will be able to outperform us. And when they do that, then they will also become better than us and all our forebearers. And when that happens, we will end up building strong institutions and not having strong men. And this is what we are doing. So it is not true that my administration is the worst. It can never be. He missed it. He missed it. And with your permission, I will speak to a few of the interventions that we put across. First, just like your Honorable Chair, we came in at a time that so many places across the country were engulfed by criminal elements, especially armed robbers all over the place. And now, across all the major highways, you can feel it. In the past, in the past, when you are traveling from Kintampo, Bupi Tamale, you normally have to say your last prayers. What is the situation now? In the past, when you are traveling from Tafo or Simu Begro to Kwau, it was virtually a noble area. In the past, when you are traveling from Kintampo, Zamrama to Prime, it was a horrific journey. In the past, when you are traveling from Epijase through Kumau to Robonso to Mamikrobo, you must forget it. In the past, when you are traveling from Bamboy, Bole, Tuna, Tuwa, is another bogey. In the past, when you are traveling from Tapa to Bogoso, it was a sad scene. In the past, when you are traveling from Dungawanofin even to Asimfosu, a terrible situation. And from Praso to Nua Dubiase to Mayimbi Brothers' hometown, Bekwai, to Pumase, it was another thing. I can go on and on and on. And as for Donko Krum, it was a daily thing. We've worked together as a team at all levels of command and across all the security agencies to normalize the situation. You call it the crimes that were happening, residential robberies in all our cities. We've stemmed the tide in a committed way. We just one. Honorable Chair, with the support of the police council, with discussion, 
and with the approval of His Excellency the President, we have created seven more new police regions to bring close policing closer to the people of this country. It was our assessment when we came to office. We saw that policing across the country was very minimal, roughly about 47 or there about percent. But with instructions from Mr. President, we've been able to deepen policing in a manner that has never happened before. And that dovetailed into the concept of visibility, where we've demonstrated the presence of policing at all corners of the country through the establishment of 144 regional FPU bases across the country. Currently, the establishment we've been able to roll out 121 of them. And this come with an average of 35 officers, number of motorbikes, a vehicle, to ensure that they are engaging the communities, they are patrolling the highways, and then they are patrolling the communities so that they will have their peace of mind to live their life. Honorable Chair, I can go on and on and on. When we came, we have established Police Emergency Medical Intervention Fund with the approval of Mr. President, where 6.1 million cities is in there to ensure that every police officer who gets injured in the course of duty can be sent to everywhere in the world to give treatment to the person in order to come on board. Honorable Chair, in the process, as you have seen, with our quest to engage the communities and win their hearts and minds, going across the country with my team, analyze and identify, identify and analyze all their concerns, working on and putting measures in place through special groups in order to ensure that they work and keep them safe. Honorable Chair, we have also worked on the issue of decentralizing so many things that were centralized at the headquarters. The welfare department, counseling department, intelligence unit, processing of certain things including criminal checks. So we are on the quest of ensuring that at the end of the day, we leave the organization better than we come to find it. So all these interventions, almost about 45 or there are about of them, and putting it together, working with the other security agencies, that is what has brought us far in terms of the type of internal security that we enjoy. So would anybody come in to say that you are the worst IGP? It's unfounded. It's unfortunate, and I think the best the person could have done, if he had nothing to say, is probably keep quiet and allow the good people of this country to make a determination on us. And Honorable Chair, the final point on this matter is that it is not about Dampari. It's about the police administration. It is not about Dampari. It's about the police administration. The police is not a sole proprietorship. It is an institution with governance and management structures. Dampari is just one of the officers involved in the governance and the management structure. So that is what it is. And we work in concept 
and make sure that all decisions that we need to take, we take it as a group. And when it needs to the attention of the police council, we get that as well. But the interesting point is this. As my colleagues will bear us out, or will bear me out, all these decisions, where it matters, we've been sending to the, division, to the regions, the districts, the divisions, and the stations for them to hold meetings and get their inputs involved. And that's the level of teamwork that we brought to bear on the work that we do. So it isn't about Dampari. It is about an institution that we have decided to work together because nobody put a rope on our neck to join the service. And at the end of the day, the service doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to any individual. But once we are there to earn our daily bread in service of the people, we have to find a way of working together. And that is what I have done since I came. And my colleagues are the best witnesses for that. I thank you. IGP, um, so let me place on record that the police service is not on trial here. And so, um, like council pointed out much earlier, we have some terms of reference that guides us in you know, the conduct of this exercise. Now, you, you, you spoke at length about we, we in the collective, it's not about Dampari, it's about the police administration. So you believe in teamwork. Is that correct, sir? Honorable Chair, that is more than correct. Now, the witnesses before you have told this committee that under your watch, the Police Management Board, also known as POMAP, has become dysfunctional. Dysfunctional in the sense that it has become a one-man show. In other words, the IGP does not consult members of POMAP for purposes of reporting to the council. Please say, what's your reaction to this? Honorable Chair, that is falsehood. And like I've demonstrated to you, and you also refer from my speech, and look at it, you called me, and only me, to appear. All of them, including some of them who are on sick leave, said, what is happening? I will suspend my sick leave and come. Because since you were in office, you've told us that we are a chain. And the time we break, any time it breaks, is because somebody is retiring, we took that part out and connect the chain again. So if anybody sits anywhere to say that you don't consult, then that person is trying to be so mischievous to the level that he doesn't wish the organization well and doesn't wish the country well. This is the point. Every meeting, 
every major issue. Inspector General of Police. Yes. One dimension of this interrogation which we inform our recommendations is about matters concerning uh, the setup that you had. So please, you interrogate these matters critically um, in camera. So if you can veer off all the challenges of the service, uh, the people who protect us should not air their challenges because people should build confidence in the setup. So I'll crave your kind indulgence that in some of these areas of police and what you might be going through and unity and disunity will be better addressed in camera. Yes. Honorable Chair, I am answering a question about what is out there in the public. The person is saying that I don't do what I'm supposed to do with the team. Yes. And I'm answering to it, and the witnesses to the question is out here, is in here with us. And I need to speak to it so that the public, which has been misinformed, is reinformed with the truth. You've so you've had that sufficient. And and I have to end it and nail it. Honorable <laughs> Chair. Yes, you, I have you, to end it and nail, nail it. Other than that, at the end of the day, if there is snake you are killing, as our forefathers have told us, you must make sure that it is really dead. So you need to the head need to be cut off. So permit me to complete the cutting off of the head. Thank a you. lot of uh, cutting off of the head be done in camera. On average, I'm cutting off the head that is in public. So, the point is simple. It is a lie and it should not be tolerated. Because my colleagues are here. They know, and I'm saying three things, and I'll end on that. That every time there is any issue anywhere across the country, that is of national importance. I, beyond the normal meetings we have all the time, at times thrice in a week, with some of them saying that, George, is too much because at times we just enter the office and you call us again on a matter. Beyond that, every single one, we have meetings on them. And all the ministers are there. And beyond that, we have the meetings, even including all hours, in the night, and at times, Saturdays, Sundays, because the matters of policing, the matters of security are arisen, and we can't wait. Because if you wait, the situation will get out of hand. And this is what we've been doing. And when we go for those meetings, they are here as well. 95 to 96% of the time, I give room for errors because nobody is perfect, and I'm not. I wait for all of them to speak, and they are here. And after that, they call me magnetic mind. I will then summarize all the position of each one of them, itemize them, and at times I ask them, how many should we have? 
how many itemizations do you think I'm going to have based on this meeting that we've had? And some of them, today we are tired, give us only 10. We are tired, give us 15, or go it or out. So at times we have the meeting discussions, and it's like, George, are you doing Ghana movie? Are you going to do part one, two, and three in this summary? That is the way we do things. And honorable thing, the second thing is to do with the fact that we consider ourselves as civil servant, and every servant has a master, and the masters of we, the police officers, are the public, even including a weak year old child. That if something is happening to that weak old year old child, we'll go to his aid or her aid because that old year child is our master and we are the servant. And because I head the organization, I call myself the chief servant. And my colleagues are here, they know it. And being the chief servant, it means to mean that I'm the least among them, even though I lead them. And this is how I demonstrate them. One, anytime we are moving outside, all of them goes, and I'm the last car to move. When we get to the destination, because of the teamwork spirit that we have, which was also demonstrated here when we arrived, we all alight, line up in succession, in command position, and we greet each other, and then we walk to where we're supposed to go to. When we get there, still being the chief servant, I wait to ensure, and they are here, that each and every one of them has gotten a chair to sit before all of us decide to sit in unison. And when we finish and go back, what I do, they go ahead of me to make sure that everybody is okay because I'm the chief servant. And when we arrive back to the office or wherever our return place will be, we do the same, everybody get down, we greet each other. Then we do debriefing to find out what exactly happened and what are the lessons that we can put. And they are here. So it is never true. Those people should stop disrespecting the public because it's just not fair. And the final one, as a chief servant, any time there is any private family thing associated with any of my commanders, I personally call them, urge them, offer any support that I need to offer, including my own brother. I was there for him 100% when his mother passed on, asking all questions about the development, the movement, about the funeral. And on the day of the funeral, Masha, all the commanders at Poma went and sympathized with him. And what I do additionally to build that teamwork to make sure that all belong is the fact that I make sure each one of them, when I dress them, something that I call regimental diplomacy, even though I'm the head. I use please, thank you, brother and sister. And this is what has glued us together to be working the way we are working and to be protecting the good people of this country the way we are protecting. So it is a big lie if anybody comes here and makes this statement. And that person, I think, needs to apologize to the public. I thank you. Who, who, who did you have in mind when you said you helped your brother? Is he one of the witnesses? I'm talking to my big brother, Brajoj. COP, because of the informality that has developed over the years, at times, even in a formal setting, I get it wrong. Mm -hmm. So um, it's about my paper that COP, George, Alex, George Benson. Okay, so 
Iraq also captured that. Okay, so my last preliminary question. You see, IGP, um, one other thing which has been said about you is that when you policed the Asin North by election, you deployed virtually the entire Poma membership. And so names like COP Yohunu, COP Awini, etc., etc., were mentioned. And the conclusion drawn is that those deployments were inimical to the electoral fortunes of the MPP in the Asin North by election. Sir, what is your reaction to this in terms of deployments? I mean, it's something that you may, in your estimation, you are the IGP, if, if you think that if you share with us, it might compromise, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. You can decline to answer and then do that when, when we go in camera. But, but what is your reaction to this? On which uh, my answer will have no security implications. It's a very simple thing, and I've said it time with that number. So my views and the views of my team and the commanders across the country are out there in the public already. But let me record it by way of summary. The first point is this. When my colleagues and I took over, we realized that any time there's election, we went too late to operationalize our security arrangement and go about setting of National Election Security Task Force and all that, so close to the election. So there are always issues. So we committed ourselves to mainstreaming election security in all our I mean, police operations. So the first thing we did was to establish what we call Police Election Security Secretariat to be involved and streamline election security across the police so that when one election ends, the policing of the next election begins immediately. So this has been the template that my colleagues and I have been using in handling all subsequent elections since our Zoom office. And we've done that for the internal elections of all the political parties, and we have also used the same blueprint to handle all by-elections. But this is the fundamental point. In the past, realize that all by-elections, from Talensi through Cheriponi to Atiwa to Ayawaso and other places, normally do turn violence. So we decided, as a team, to interrogate the issue and find out what is causing it, and realized that we're making a mistake from the security point of view 
because when the political parties are treating that by-election as a national election in a single constituency, who are treating it as a local election, and then allowing, relaxing on the security, and leaving it in the hands of the local policing authority, why is we have everybody in Ghana at that location taking one, I mean, playing one, one part or the other in that election? So we resolved that if the political parties and the other stakeholders involved in these by-elections, if they decide to play it local, we, the police, will play it local. If they decide to play it district, we, the police, will play it district. Then it means that it's a fair match. If they decide to play it regional, we, the police, will play regional. But if they decide to consider the election as a national one, then we, the police, the policing too will be national. And I know this is also not tenable. And on the lighter side, if they decide to play it international, we also will do it international. So it is that that inform the deployment. Because the whole Ghana is at that consequence. So the whole police must also be at that consequence. And that is what has helped us. That's all the violations that have been done using this model has not resulted in any violence. And that's where I want to end it. I thank you, Honorable Chair. Okay, so, uh, uh, Chairman, I yield for now. Okay. Yes. Okay, so, Honorable Yabuama, if you, if you can commence your interrogations. Chairman, I believe these are preliminary matters. Yes. Not going into... No, not going into serious adduction of evidence here. Very well. Um, yes, sir. IGP. Um, you know Chief Bugrinabu personally. Honorable Chair, I know Chief Buginabu, and my knowledge of him is like the knowledge that I have for most people that I come across, and like the knowledge I have for virtually everybody at the committee level, and also so many Ghanaians out there. Thank you. Does he visit your office? Honorable Chair, not that I'm aware. When some of the witnesses Inspector General of Police, when he asks you this question that does he visit your office? You said not that you are aware of. Is there any recording that, for instance, Atatia came to the IGP's office? And, and even if when you are not there, somebody will tell you that in your absence, um, so, so and so came to your office. I I have my ADC who let me know if anybody 
is in my office. But the aspect of recording and everything is done at the reception area. So, if somebody came to where you are as the IGB, um, you'll be informed that Atachian was here. Yes, Honorable Chair. Uh, so, I think the, the question demanded a yes or no answer. But when you say not that you are aware of, then you leave the issue at large. Honorable Chair, if that is the understanding, then I'm sorry. Yes. Please. I don't. Uh -huh. The answer not that I'm aware simply means that he has not visited me. Uh -huh. Yes, please. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, Chairman, so um, Chief Bugrinabu does not have any commercial dealings with the police administration. That's it. That is correct. And for that, I want to respond to the fact that I want is one of the falsehoods that have been put out in the public domain. He has no dealings and I hear some contract, nothing. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Some of the allegations made to the committee was with regards to promotions. Chairman, I'm sure I'm permitted to be, and I'm within the confines of, I don't want to exceed, that some officers are due promotions, especially those at your level. I know some have to go to the police council for uh, recommendations and approval. What is the situation with regards to promotions? Are there any um, hold-ups with regards to promotion of certain junior officers within the service? Honorable Chair, there is no hold-up of promotion of any junior officer in the whole police service. Even as we speak, the structure has been that any junior officer who is four years are sent to training and they are promoted and we are waiting to have all of them promoted. Those who are due, the next set of junior officers who are due for promotion, who are now, we have worked on in trying to rebuild their capacity, send them to Ashramatin in the eastern region to reshape and recalibrate them. Are currently there, and we are rolling out these and making sure that they are promoted in December. And we've arranged it in such a way that it becomes like something like a Christmas store. So nobody in the service, nobody in the service, and the junior rank that you are saying, whose promotion is being held. So that is another set of concocted story that is being put out there for mischievous reasons. What about um, those senior officers? whose promotions have to be sent from management to council? Honorable Chair, every one of them, with the exception of a few, have been sent. And the few who have been sent, and the few who are there, is based on the fact that beyond the number of years that you have been in the position, there is other factors, other factors, 
and I'm told a few is about seven or eight or nine other factors that come into it. And those other factors include competence, include vacancy, include integrity, including all other factors. And when this, beyond that, it becomes the preserve of the police council, and from that level, who make recommendations to His Excellency Mr. President and for that to be effected. So assistance, everybody who's supposed to be promoted based on the junior rank has been done. Everybody who's supposed to be promoted based on the senior rank has been done. And that is where we are. Thank you, Honorable Chair. So the grumbling officers, senior officers, says um, promotion. That has not taken effect. It's not from POMAC, but from the police council. Your Excellency, Honorable Chair, that is the position because they are the people to promote. And more importantly, recently a meeting was held and some consideration has been done. But the most important thing is that everybody who's supposed to be promoted in line with our policies are being promoted. But the point that has to be made is that it's not a question about how many years you have been at the place. We will have all loved to be promoted as soon as we have four years and thereabout. Vacancy, competencies, and other things factor into it. I myself, at a point, I was in my, on my run for six years, and I didn't complain because I understand. I, I, is that a practice that you can be at your run for six years? Because we have your, your promotions here. And that I can tell the committee that between 97 and 2003, that's about six years, you're also a subtenant. But it's also on record that from ASP in 1996 to DSP, I don't, I, DSP, I, have, I don't have the date here, but to superintendent was just, a, just about two years or less than that. Honorable Chair, in my introduction remark, I did alluded to that, and I did say that that promotion was based on my academic qualifications in line with existing policies at that time. Yes, I understand. We, we have a fair idea that once you chartered as an accountant, you were jumped from one position to subtenant of police. Is that policy still in place? Are those who have, those, for those who have um, upgraded themselves academically? Honorable Chair, that policy, as far as I'm concerned, with the passage of Constitutional Instrument CI 76, 2012, that policy, from my reading of the, that CI 76, 2012, is no more in operation. 
we'll, we'll determine the seriousness of that, uh, Mr. Annan. Um, we were also told that some junior officers have been jumped or triple jumped by your good self without having gone through the merits and it became an issue for us to interrogate. Um, uh, can you speak to that, please? Honorable Chair, the important thing is that these promotions, which is in line with our regulations in terms of special recommendation, nobody has been jammed three times. But the most important thing is this. These are matters that are discussed by police council and approved. So if a decision on that matter has been welcomed by the police council, I think it will be difficult for me to speak to it. Do you have a unit called um, the inspection unit? Yes, Honorable Chair, we do. What, what is their duty? What are their duties or functions? Honorable Chair, broadly I can say that the document establishing them, I don't have it readily here, but as the name sound, they are out there to ensure that they do inspection of police facilities, police records, and they make recommendations. And there are 16 officers in one office, we are told. We are informed that in that small office, you have about 16 officers instead of four occupying that office. Honorable Chair, the, the point is this. The word instead of four. I don't know where it is coming from. We have a unit. And a unit of four people. Then I don't know what it is. There is no limit as to the number of people who will be there to do inspections across the country. And the other point of being in one office, I have to check, because the unit as a commander who is a deputy commissioner of police, and you agree with me that it will be a difficulty for Inspector General of Police to be going around looking for offices for people who are supposed to know where to look for an office for their work. And if the challenge is not beyond them, or if the challenge then go beyond them, then drawing to the attention of the relevant commissioner and the shadow and handle. So now that you've brought to my attention, I'll go and look at it. If the commander there has not been able to look at it, I'll go and look at it and in my usual self work with my colleagues and see what that issue is. There, there, there seem to be a lot of units under your administration, um, inspection units, uh, visibility, and recently we heard of the special dampery unit. Do you have any special dampery unit for purposes of special operations who are untouchable, who don't report to anybody and to the Inspector General of Police? And we are told some of them have beard, some wear earrings, and uh, not properly attired, and a lot more. Is there, is there any unit within the service like that? Honorable Chair, first of all, there is no unit called Special Dampery Unit. It's a figment of people's imagination. 
and I think the point must be made. The second point is that there is a police intelligence directorate which complements police operations. And what has happened in the past is that we were having challenges when it comes to these operations and we needed to top up with our intelligence and the intelligence were at only the national level. So my colleagues and I, once again, worked together and we decided to decentralize that unit such that each of the 25 policing commands will have their own intelligence unit that shape intelligence gathering to inform the operations of the region. So all those units under the various regional commanders and then they also work in tandem with the national director general in charge of intelligence. They don't report to me. Thank you. Not to personalize matters. You want to come in? Okay. Oh, Aji. Uh, the, the, the concluding part of your response is um, where I want to, you know, proceed from. You said they don't report to you. Now, part of the allegations against you is that that unit in question reports only to you. They don't take instructions from your commanders. I think that was part of the testimony before the committee uh, when previous witnesses appeared. So, sir, what's your reaction to that? And I would say, like I said, it has, it, there are units that have been institutionalized with the commanders and the chain of command up to the national level with a director general in charge. But when you go to the regions, it's like CID, which will work with the regional commander as, his, as one of his subordinates and when it comes to criminal investigations. And yet, they also work in tandem with the director general CID. This is the same framework that has been used for the establishment and decentralization of the intelligent component of the police service. In the past, it's like intelligence were things that we needed to keep improving as an institution and also work across other security agencies and the intelligence component and to make sure that this country continues to be at peace with itself. So the units are institutionalized. The units are with the regional commanders. And at the national level, they have a director general who is in charge of them and who from time to time give us a briefing on our daily meetings, on our weekly meetings, and when, as and when, we also have emergency meetings on matters of concern, and we get it done. There is nothing like anybody or a group of people out of the normal chain of command reporting to Dambara or anything. It is a lie. Aji, um, what is the administration, your administration's um, 
relationship with the military high command. We were given an impression that all was that all wasn't um, well with the police administration and the military high command. Well, I would say this is another line, just to paint you black, or typically calling a, ba a dog a bag naked and hungry. We have an excellent relationship with all the heads of the security agencies. And it's so excellent that at the end of the day, the cordiality goes beyond the official work. The beauty of it is this. Constitutionally, each and every of the agencies has their role to play. And we know where we also need to work together in what I term institutional teamwork and get things done for this country. So we urge these people to stop trying to put our heads against each other. It's shameful. It's not good for this country. And you cannot do this. You should stop it. They can use any other thing to get anything that they want. But they shouldn't use that. They should be patriotic. Because that is the only place we have called home, Ghana. So in their quest to achieve their selfish interest, they shouldn't create confusion. So when I would say that is what it is, and I know that's how it sits, we'll continue to work together as various security agencies, helping each other in the interest of the country, for Ghana, our beloved country, to continue to be at peace with itself. I thank you. I, I, um, I can see that uh, your, your lawyer is nodding. I don't know what is intended for. Uh, Mr. Chairman, when he said Ghana, our beloved country, I remembered the conclusion from Kwame Nkrumah, it's free forever. <laughs> Thank you. Um, IG, um, you once served as the ADC to former President Mills. And um, COP Mensa also once served as the ADC to Vice President Aka. Uh, would you want to comment on that role, especially when some of the witnesses, or from our information, try to use that as a weapon? Against your office, in my in my humble view. Thank you, thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, I'm happy you spoke to that fact, and I want to take this opportunity to to urge all my colleagues in all the non-partisan institutions to keep the sanctity of that institution and stop trying to impute politics into it in a manner that will compromise its responsibility, and especially in my case, the police service in the maintenance of law and order. And I'm happy you did allude, you did mention the fact that my big brother, George, served as an ADC during President Rawlings and Vice President Akar's time. Before him was another big brother of mine the former Inspector General of Police, Mr. David Asantia who also served as the ADC 
during President Lawrence and Vice President Akar's regime. Then after that, ASP, I have to get the name correct, another ASP served as the ADC during President Rawlings and Vice President Akar's and Vice President Noah's time. Then in the course of his tenure, I was also called upon to go and serve as an ADC to His Excellency, the Vice President, Vice, I mean, Professor Nose. And I was there for a year and about six or seven months. And I was asked to be replaced because I had become a chartered accountant and I was going to be promoted to the rank of subtenant based on my academic qualification. So I cannot continue to serve as an ADC. So I was replaced by that time, I'm not sure whether he was an ASP or DSP, and may he so rest in peace, another brother of mine, Frank Kofi. So from there, all the other regimes, we have had police officers by our arrangement serving as ADC to vice president. And you will be there, you will be called, it's a call to duty, you can't stop it. But beyond that, beyond that, after serving as an ADC, so Professor Mills, which was somewhere, I need to collect 2007 and 2008, thereabout, and I stand to be corrected on that, came back to be the deputy auditor, went to UN mission, returned from the UN mission, went for further studies, returned from further studies, and came to serve as special assistant to Honorable Kandapa when he was the minister for the interior. When my father, Honorable Kandapa, was moved to Ministry of Defense, another father of mine, Honorable Kwamnabatos came in to serve as the minister, and he maintained me as a special assistant. And thereafter, in the course of the 2007 floods, I was there in the office, and Honorable Kwamnabatos said, Mr. Excellency, President Kufo, want to see you. I went, I was ushered in to the office of Dr. Mr. Chenehese, now the Chancellor of the University of Ghana. And the idea was that the president, President Kufo, has found it fit to appoint me as the national coordinator for the management of the disaster. And that is how I have served Ghana outside my policing career, I think. Behind you um, are members of POMAC, sure. Uh, members of POMAC seated behind you. I believe so. Yes, sir. So, that notion of you running a one-man show, because we're told that you are running a one-man show, it's all about dampari. Dampari, dampari, dampari. You are not involving POMAC. And um, it's, it's very, very important for us to hear from you on this especially when it's a creation of the institution by your legislation. Thank you. 
Honorable Chair, I think I addressed this question earlier, but I will re-echo the fundamental points. Unfortunately, they are not on hold so that they cannot testify on this matter. If they had been on hold, we would have heard them, what they would say. They call it United POMAP. United POMAP. That's what they call it. And it's a chain. Nobody breaks it. Unless you are going to a retirement, we take you out and they will reconnect the chain. And I said, we can't go anywhere without making sure that they are ahead of me. We can't arrive at any destination without making sure that we account for everybody. We cannot go and sit at anywhere without making sure that everybody has a chair. And we cannot start any meeting without making sure that where, are, where is everyone? And if the person is not on leave, the person is not doing any other assignment, we make sure that we even wait for the person. So this whole idea, like I said, is trying to put certain things together to paint you black and make sure that you don't look presentable in the eyes of everybody. It is never true. And I said it fundamentally. The Lord that I serve, the God Almighty that shapes my life, He instituted teamwork. And I get incomplete when I'm not functioning in a team. Because I'm not sure whether what I'm putting out there, if I had a second thought, it would be better. In any case, I have one philosophical belief. It takes other human beings for other human beings to be human beings. So in the absence of other human beings, I feel incomplete. And knowing that it's an institution and not a sole proprietorship, and even a sole proprietorship, you still have to work with people. An institution that does not belong to me, I come and monopolize it. Then I'm not a good leader. Then I'm not a manager. And they know within their hearts of hearts that they were paddling for so you know to package it and send it to places and make me look bad, thinking that as it has normally been done in our environment, when people go and lie about you and say all things about you, you never get opportunity to speak to the matter. It is a lie. It isn't about them, it's about the police service. It's about Ghana and it's about the peace and security of this country. I thank you. So it's good we are giving you the opportunity to, to speak in public. In the presence of the witnesses who made those allegations. And uh, my last question, Chairman. What led to that letter? 